0: In today's sermon, we go back to our series on the book of Job. Today, we are looking further into Job's answers to his miserable comforter friends. Remember, as they continue to speak, the friends are getting harsher. And as Job continues to answer them, we see his tough exterior begin to deteriorate. In today's message, Job is answering Eliphaz's second tirade. In that tirade, he basically said, Job, you lack wisdom. And God only sends troubles upon the wicked, so you must be wicked. Job has three requests. He pleads for sympathy from his friends. He pleads for justice to God. And ultimately, we're going to see that he pleads for death. Join us as we continue to look at Job's answers to his miserable comforter friends. But first, we have a song selection that I hope you enjoy. I want to go back to the book of Job, and I want us to go back into our study of the book. You may recall that for the last several Wednesday nights, we have been sort of taking a sidetrack in talking about specific verses and their impact and their importance uh, that were taken out of, the, out of the mouths of these miserable comforters, but yet were still true misapplied by the comforters, misapplied by Bildad and Eliphaz and and Zophar, but yet uh, nonetheless they were true. Um, And we're trying to move a little faster because really all we're getting from those three miserable comforters are just a repeat of the same arguments and just getting a little more harsh with it. But I want to so I don't want to spend a lot of time on what they say. But in going back to the book of Job, I want to take a look at some of Job's answers. Because I believe we're going to see some things about Job that we can identify with. And it may also help us in dealing with suffering. So if you will turn to the 16th chapter of uh, the book of Job. And we're going to begin there. Um, Let me just remind us if, for a moment here, you don't have to turn there, but let us just be reminded of the themes of the book of Job that we've been looking at. And primarily that's found out of James, the fifth chapter in verse 11. And James says, Behold, we count them happy which endure. Ye have heard of the patience of Job and have seen the end of the Lord, that the Lord is very pitiful and of tender mercy. And we said that patience, pride, and pity were the three primary themes of Job. Patience of Job, we're seeing here a lot of patience, but we're about to see his patience wear thin. Job's not perfect, but he has a great patience in dealing with these miserable comforters and in dealing with his trials. We see pride, of the, the pride of God. God being legitimately and rightly proud of Job because Job was living in the right way. He was the most righteous man in that day, we're told. And, and I don't have to guess at that or read between the lines. God told Satan, he said, if you consider my servant Job, there's none more righteous than him. And yet we also see the negative side of pride as it's gonna begin coming out in Job. Job, his three miserable comforter friends were definitely lifted up in pride and self-righteousness, but even Job had some of that, which may explain some of the reasons that the Lord suffered the the hedge to be removed to a certain extent from Job, to take care of some of that pride. And then ultimately, though, if we don't see the pity of God in the book of Job, we missed the primary point. We see the end of Job, James says, that God is very pitiful. That means he has great pity upon his people and of tender mercy. So instead of blaming God for Job's troubles and instead of blaming God for his troubles like Job did, and we're going to see he did, we ought to be thinking about how God is very pitiful and of tender mercy to Job. So, so getting back into the book of Job, uh, in, the, in the 16th chapter, we begin to read about Job's answer to Eliphaz. Now, uh, Eliphaz's second argument to Job is found in the 15th chapter, and we're not going to read it, but I just, I just want to remind you that friends, so-called friends, and let me just say, with friends like these, who's, who needs enemies? <laughs> the friends are getting harsher, and what we're going to start seeing from here out as we, as we consider some of Job's answers is his tough exterior begins to deteriorate. It begins to, He begins to loosen a little bit, his grip on life, his grip on things, And isn't that our experience? Isn't that our reaction to prolonged pain and suffering? Isn't stress in our lives the worst thing? The more you have, you know, you may start. You may start out pretty stoic. I can handle this. I can do this. But if it keeps on and on and on, eventually, eventually, some of those old human that old human nature slips out. Eventually, some of that Adam man slips out. Eventually, we begin to lose patience, and we begin to have problems like Job. So, so let's look tonight at Job's answer to Eliphaz. Eliphaz's second tirade against Job was basically, Job, you don't have any wisdom. And by the way, God only sends troubles on the wicked Job. And that's the summation of chapter 15. And we're not going to go any further. That's all he says. That's basically all they all say in just different ways and to different degrees. So beginning in chapter 16, though, Job begins to answer this again And the first few verses here, down through verse 14, are Job's plea for sympathy from his friends. And isn't that such a sad commentary that he had to plead for sympathy from his friends? That's what he ought to have gotten. When we go to comfort someone, we ought to be giving them sympathy and not judgment and not being judgmental. Verse 1, then Job answered and said, I have heard many such things, miserable comforters Are you all? (laughs) The word there, miserable, that he identifies them as, that word literally means troublesome. The root word means heavy, wearisome toil or trouble and vexation. I want to say to you, I've been in distress before, not to the extent Job has, but many of you, we all have suffered difficulties in life where we were distressed and we seemed to be at the end of our rope. And the last thing that I needed was heavy, wearisome toil. <laughs> you know, think about it. When you're, you're crying out from the depths of your heart and somebody comes to you and says, here, you need to be doing this. <laughs> you need to be doing that. I mean, I don't want to do anything when I'm struggling like that. You know, I had, this is nothing compared to Joe, but I, y'all know I had COVID for the second time a few weeks ago. And there's a couple of days there. I, it never was as bad as even the first time and nothing as bad as some have had, but I felt terrible for a couple of days. And praise God for my dear wife, who didn't come to me saying, would you get up out of the chair and go do something? No, she was so so uh, loving and caring for me and just, you just sit there, you just rest, and you just take the other, made me want to drag it out a few more days. Actually, I didn't do that, but, <laughs> but uh, but my point is this, is I didn't need somebody to come give me something more to do on those days. I was tired, I was stressed. And these miserable comforters, these comforters who uh, are called troublesome comforters, that's another way you might might identify them. They came to Job and just look at verse four, he said, or verse three, shall vain words have an end. That literally means words of wind. Just blowing out smoke, so to speak. Just a windbag. See how vain words have an end, or what emboldeneth thee that thou answerest. <laughs> Job says, nothing you're telling me is doing me any good. You're miserable comforters, you're laying burdens on me that you shouldn't be. Your words are just like the wind. And then he says in verse 4 there, I could also speak as ye do. And then he says, if your soul were in my soul's stead, I could heap up words against you and shake mine head at you. If our roles were reversed, I could be doing the same thing. But he says, I wouldn't do that. Look at verse 5. But I would strengthen you with my mouth, and the moving of my lips should assuage your grief. In other words, if you were where I am and I were where you are, I would give you words of encouragement instead of long speeches about all oh, this theology that you think you know and how it applies in my case. And, and he says, what you're doing, he said, though I speak, my grief is not assuaged. And though I forbear, what am I Have You ever been there where it's like nothing you do helps? He says, if I speak, I don't get any better. If I forbear, if I hold my tongue. Nothing's, nothing's happened. And you're sure not helping this. And then in verses 7 down through verse 14, Job begins to recount to them what's going on in his life. And I want you to notice here we find Job a little bit off on his thinking. He is blaming God for all this that's happening. It's almost like he's buying into what these miserable comforters are saying. Because they've been telling him, God's doing this to you, Job, because of something you did. And we know God's not doing it to him, first of all, it's Satan. And second of all, it's not anything Job did. Now, he's a sinner, and we see that, but there was no triggering sin that caused this to happen. It wasn't like, oh, there's Job. He's, he's sacrificing wrong. He's committing adultery. He's doing this, so I'm going to move the hedge and let Satan get to him. That's not what happened. I mean, he was a sinner. But he was the most righteous sinner in the world right then. <laughs> So, but notice what he says, beginning in chapter 7. now he, speaking of God, he hath made me weary. Thou hast made desolate all my company. I believe he's still talking about God here. Thou hast filled me with wrinkles, which is a witness against me, and my leanness rising up in me beareth witness to my face. That, that's maybe a little complicated to understand, but just to understand that fatness was a sign of prosperity so you say well preacher you must be rich <laughs> i'm just kidding uh, but uh, but the point of that was at that time the fatness you know notice he says i'm filled with wrinkles what happens when you lose a lot of weight you know your skin begins to wrinkle you know he talks about the bride having no spot or or wrinkle uh the point of that is it'll be completely full the bride, is not, the bride of Christ is not going to be missing one. There's not going to be any place where the skin is not taut around her body, so to speak. The body of Christ is full. And here the idea is, is that he's not full anymore. He's been filled with wrinkles. His leanness is rising up in me, beareth witness to my face. In other words, all the you, know, you can look at me and see that I've got problems. Speaking of God again, he teareth me in his in his wrath, who hateth me, he gnasheth upon me with his teeth. Mine enemy sharpeneth his eyes upon me. Have you, ever, have you ever lashed out at God? I'm sorry to say I have. There have been times when I would just cry out with gritted teeth, Why, Lord? Why is this happening? And, and this is kind of where Job is. You know, I told you his tough exterior is kind of dissipating now. And the old Adam man is leaking through. And it's almost like in his rage, his stress, his distress here, he says, he's tearing me. I'm torn to pieces by God. He's my enemy. He hates me. You ever felt that way? You ever felt like, God, why are you doing this to me? And certainly we understand, and maybe I probably need to preach on this sometime, the source of suffering. But we understand sometimes it is the chastening of God. But I promise you this, child of God, our God is a better father than my own father or that any of us will be his parents and he's not going to chasten us without letting us know why if you can't figure out why the suffering is upon you it's probably not God's chastening I've experienced the chastening of God and brother buddy I've never had to ask what it was all about and every time if you got any spiritual sense about you at all you'll know you'll know so Job here is just He's just crying out. He's my, he's my enemy. Now we're going to come back to verse ten, hopefully by the end of this message. But I, I want listen to this listen to this verse and think about what it reminds you of. They have gaped upon me with their mouth. They have smitten me upon the cheek reproachfully. They have gathered themselves together against me. It kind of reminds you of Psalm twenty-two verse thirteen, doesn't it? It kind of reminds you of somebody else who many hundreds of years later will be suffering some things innocently. But we'll come back to that, Lord When God hath delivered me to the ungodly and turned me over to the hands of the wicked. I I was at ease, but he hath broken me asunder. He hath taken me by the neck and shaken me to pieces and set me up for his mark. His archers compass me about. He cleaveth my reins asunder, doth not spare. He poureth out my gall upon the ground. He breaketh me with breach upon breach. He runneth me upon me like a giant i like that description there breach upon breach have you ever been in a in a season of your life when it seemed like just one thing after another after another kept coming upon you that's where job is he has experienced that and he's still experiencing that and he's blaming god for it and he's saying, god you just keep hitting me with this kind of stuff over and over it just keeps coming And so, in verse 15, he turns to pleading for justice from God. I don't believe, let me just say this, I do not believe that Job here is speaking in an eternal sense. And we're gonna see that. We're kinda leading up to something here that we won't get to tonight. But it's gonna be found in chapter 19. Job's got problems, he has faults, he slips up on some things. But we're leading up to chapter 19 where he starts pointing us toward a redeemer that he knows is alive and he knows he needs. So I don't think he's talking about eternal justice here, but he's asking for justice here and now. And it's okay for us sometimes to ask for justice here and now. My soul is grieved when I see injustice in this world. I have made a career in the secular world of seeking justice. I was blessed to be a prosecutor for for so many years nearly 25 years and and our sole job as prosecutors was to try to right wrongs that had occurred and now as a judge i try to i try to make sure those wrongs have been righted in the right way and try to find justice both for defendants and especially for victims so you know i've made a career i of all people i get that justice in this life is a desirable thing and, and I hate injustice. And I hate to see thing, I hate to see it when the guilty go free and I hate to see it when the innocent are put away. Okay? And I think that's where Job is. Job here, though, is the victim in his own mind. And he is to a certain extent. He's saying now in verse 15, he's saying, he's turning to a plea. To, for justice from God. He said, here's what I've done. I've sewn sackcloth upon my skin, defiled my horn in the dust. My face is foul with weeping and my, on my eyelids is the shadow of death, not for any injustice in mine hands. And also my prayer is pure. Job gets that. Now here we're seeing a little bit of the pride slipping through, but he's actually right here. He's actually correct here. This is what he's done and he did what he should do. He repented in sackcloth and ashes. You know, he fell down upon his face before the Lord, and he really is praying to God. And he goes on in verse 18, he says, O earth, cover not thy my blood, and let my cry have no place. In other words, don't let me die till I see justice. Don't let me die until I'm vindicated. And and he's, he's really, you know, he's speaking in the presence of these friends, but it's almost like he's crying out to God, saying, Lord, these men do not understand and they're falsely accusing me and they're telling me things that are wrong and and I want you to vindicate me. I'm praying for vindication here in this life. It's okay to pray for justice in this life. It's okay. But it's not okay to take vengeance into your own hands. (laughs) And it's also not okay to faint or to give up before the Lord does what he will do in his own time. He's saying, God, I just, I just want to see things work out here. David made the statement, I forget exactly the verse and chapter, but he said, I had fainted if I had not thought to see the goodness of God in the land of the living. Due to the constraints of time, we will stop the message here please join us tomorrow for the conclusion of this message. If you would like to subscribe to our website, please go to www.zionpbc.com and sign up for email updates. If you have any questions, please feel free to contact the church at zionpbc1847 at gmail.com.